Yeah, I, I don't I don't wanna judge Darren. <laughs> This week, um, I thought we would cover downloads, legal downloads, a lossless content, so not lossy streams, not no iTunes store. Um, basically, where you can buy music as a you know as a lossless CD quality, sixteen forty four one minimum. Um, because a reader emailed me asking me if I knew about Cobas, I do know about Cobas. Um, many Americans might not, but Cobas is launching in the USA in a few months, I believe. Um, and what Cobas is, is it's a bit like Tidal. It's a streaming service. So it has a, a $10 slash 10 euros a month lossy tier. It has a 20 buck lossless tier. So CD quality streaming, $20 a month. Um, but it also has uh, two other tiers, one called Sublime and one called Sublime Plus. And they are—they ask you to pay a year's worth in advance, but both of them give you not only a minimum of CD quality streaming, but they also give you discounts on downloads from the Cobas download store. So, like Tidal, mm. you can buy downloads from Cobas. So. I'm assuming that, I mean, I, I've never used, Co well, I say I've never used Cobos. I've, I've used it a little bit. I do have an account, um, but it will have different content to uh, Tidal, I assume. I got a couple of friends who swear by it, especially for classical music. Not my thing, but they, they seem to think, so they seem to think that availability of classical music is much better on Cobos. Hmm. I would ask you, Darren, if you've used it, but Unless, well, without a VPN, you can't. No, I have not. And I, I've re I have done some reading about it here and there um, over the years since I started using Tidal. So it sounds like it's going to compete directly, uh, same pricing, except that they're offering these these higher tiers, which are interesting. Well, the, um, the really interesting thing about Cobas, and just to go into streaming for a moment, is that their Sublime Plus package, their top package, offers high-res streaming. But, mm. but it's for people who... <laughs> for people who are allergic to MQA because they're streaming high-res content natively 2496 okay. straight down the pipe no encapsulation no nothing so if you're right. allergic to MQA for whatever reason if you're you know you have a religious objection <laughs> then you can get your high-res without um, MQA's interference from Cobas and like I said it's launching in the USA in a couple of months I believe okay cool so we'll know I'm um, probably no more after Munich, which is this week coming up as we record this in today's mm -hmm. Sunday. What's the date today? Is it the 7th or the 8th or something? It's May 6th. May 6th. Thank you. Yes. So the day after Cinco de Mayo and yeah. Um, so Munich is coming up. Kobo's I'm sure will have a strong presence if they're going to be pushing for the US market. So it's, it's always good to have variety, isn't it? I mean... Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that I was just thinking this, that it'll be great to have a new competitor, direct competitor to title in mm. the US. I saw the headline, Jimmy Iovine was complaining that streaming services are all the same. And he kind of has a point, really. Mm -hmm. um, because they all essentially do the same thing. It's only that their content differs or their apps differ. 
but generally when we say that apps differ we're not talking about like huge differences we're talking about small differences um mm -hmm. but this is not about streaming it's about downloads so cobas is as well as the title download store which you know we mentioned last time is not well known cobas also has a download store you can buy lossless downloads and high-res downloads from them um mm. high-res downloads are priced higher than cd quality downloads which is a bit of a bugbear of mine yeah i was gonna ask uh, I, I, it doesn't make sense why yeah what why are they why are they different prices well i know why it's it's just to squeeze a few more bucks out of people that want i don't know want to make the leap from 96k to 192 but it, mm -hmm. it is a bit of a rort, really, especially when we look at Bandcamp. I mean, we can't talk about downloads without mentioning Bandcamp. Um, no. Where if you buy something for Bandcamp, as you know, you get a choice of everything from, I think it's, is it a 128 MP3 all through AAC, all the way up to lossless FLAC, and sometimes you go 24-bit, right? Yep, yep. It's up to the artist, I think. Um, right, yeah. But those options are available. Yeah, so... I, I I've said it before. I love Bandcamp, um, but of course you're limited, you know, to what's available to you there, content-wise. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Bandcamp is never going to match Tidal or Kobo's mm. for breadth of content or depth. No. So it's not like no. you can pick your favorite band, go to Bandcamp, and just you know Hoover up their catalog. It's more independent. Well, no, it's not not just independent artists, but it's artists selling directly to. Um, consumers and i guess if your tastes lean towards left of center then you you know you're more likely to be served by Bandcamp. yeah i agree but if you're into pink or the black eyed peas <laughs> oh yeah mm -hmm. right <laughs> if you're into those kind of atrocious <laughs> bands which are atrocious artists then you're not going to be served by Bandcamp. um and cobas is the way to go or title um yeah but i think um but they, i mean i mentioned cobas and tidal because if you even if something is not available in high res it's available definitely at cd quality and that for me is where the meat mm -hmm. is in in music consumption so little is available in high res that it's like it's a nice sideshow but I, I, I find it very hard to get, you know, beyond my professional interest, get very, I, I find it hard to get very excited about it. I, I agree. And I looked up <laughs> um, when you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about this, I looked up on title, for example, because, mm. because I do use title daily for streaming. I looked up on the store to see how many purchases I actually made. Um, and there are only two, um, but that's that's because I prefer to buy mm. you know vinyl, physical media. If I'm going to buy a record today, these days, I, I just I just don't have any interest in 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 HD mm. um, downloads. Yeah, I find it very yeah. hard to get excited about paying twenty four bucks for a download when I can go and buy the same thing as you know vinyl LP, which is what I do. I, I, I'm right. more I'm more likely to buy the vinyl than I am a down uh, a high res download. Um, I'm happy to stream mm, yep. high-res content, but more because it just comes automatically through Tidal. I don't really have to make the active choice. 
go, oh, I know, I'm going to listen to some higher res right now, which is ass backwards thinking anyway. I'll play the album I want to play, and if it comes as high res, then that's nice. But I don't know. I, I think really for me, the sort of the gateway to, to keeping an eye on, on high, high quality or the gateway to high res is is CD quality, 16441. And then anything mm-hmm. above that for me is a bonus, really. I, I, yeah, it's, it's great, but um, I'm more concerned that I have lossless streaming than anything else or you know, lossless downloads at home. Yeah, agreed. I guess that's, that's one thing actually I should really talk about here. The reason, the main reason I'm into lossless downloads is this, is that uh, streaming services can be unreliable. So as we know, we've seen this with Radiohead or with Neil Young, you know, the, uh, you know on a whim, they can, see, they can just remove their content from under our noses. So we can't play those albums anymore. So I like to have them on a hard drive in my house. So in effect, with you know, in, in tandem with Rune, I create my own little domestic streaming service. So mm-hmm. no one can take it away from me unless my well my hard drive dies. But I do make regular backups. You know, I back it up every couple of months to another hard drive. So I have copies. Um, but that's the reason I'm really into downloads is so that I have my own little streaming service at home. So if my internet connection falls off or um, if Tom York wakes up in a bad mood, I've still got, I've still got um, Hail to the Thief, you know, playable right. at home. Um, yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a good argument for for digital downloads, certainly. But I mean, you do this right. You you create a little library at home. I'm I'm sure you do. Uh huh. And I don't want to get into this because it's not directly related to our conversation today, but um, I, you bringing up high def mm. downloads brings to mind the latest update to Rune, um, which added MQA processing. Um, so I use, but I do use Rune and I build, you know, I do build a library and I do have um, a digital library at home. I don't, um, I'm not limited mm. to just streaming. I, I just don't purchase because like you if i'm going to make an a, an album purchase today i prefer to go to vinyl that's yeah. just my current preference um but but your argument that if title goes away if they go out of business um then you know i'm in a bind because i don't own all those records anymore, yeah or i never did i was only rent well if title goes yeah. away we've, we've still got deezer and then cobas as well um well you know these guys both yep. are, they're both french and they both offer um lossless streaming and Kobo's the downloads, but mm-hmm. that's why I have a, like a download collection here. But I mean, you've just mentioned MQA and Rune. Yes, they did actually um, roll out the update from 1.5 this week. So I know that mm-hmm. audiophiles love to get into whether they love MQA or whether they hate MQA. One thing that did strike me actually um, a couple of days ago was, you remember a few years ago, one of the hottest topics on internet forums regarding high-res downloads was provenance. And you'd find people kind of bitching and whinging about how something may or may not have been upsampled from a red book or from 96 to 192. And yes. one, th- one pro- that, that problem goes away with MQA. 
So you know either you get the green light or the blue light on your DAC that says to you, this file has not been f***ed with. So it it's definitely like if it's if it's lighting up and we're getting 96, that's the resolution of the Studio Master. We know that no upsampling has taken place. And it kind of made me think that <laughs> some people are never happy unless they're complaining about something. You know, before it was provenance of HD tracks. Now it's MQA's <laughs> business model. You know, like there's always, it's almost like there is pleasure in complaining about whatever is going on that really doesn't master people, but it's just fun to complain about it. Um, <laughs> I think that's absolutely true, yes. Um, I mean, I try to ignore it all. I mean, there are some very valid criticisms of MQA, I think. Um, I'm not going to get mm -hmm. into that now. I, I think people can find that on the internet. If you like it, then great. If you don't, it, also great. You know, you can choose your streaming service. You can choose your download service because you can buy uh, MQA. <laughs> if you can find the music in MQA, there's, you can buy downloads um, from highresaudio.com, which is a German company uh, based between here in Berlin and Hamburg run by a chap called Lothar. I can't pronounce his surname because it's so damn complicated. Um, so he offers MQA downloads. Mm. I mean, he did and then he didn't, but he's still, they're still on his website. And you can buy them also from Onkyo Music. Um, I'm not sure if that is available in the USA or the UK. You might need a VPN for that. But really, you know, if you want to, you know, pick your favorite artist and then if you want to find them as an MQA high-res download, I don't know whether you're going to have any luck. Some very few artists are available. I mean, I know the music is coming very slowly, but it, again, the meat and potatoes of this whole download conversation centers around 1644.1 CD quality for me. Uh, I just, mm -hmm. like you, I just don't think that high-res down downloads are really worth the hassle. I mean, it's a massive exit. What is this, like a 192 file is going to be four times the file size of a CD rip. And for how much gain? Yeah. A tiny bit, which I know that's the whole audio file mindset. But right. I don't know, man. It's just. I would tie that mindset that, that I have to have high res files versus, say, you know, Red Book. Um, to a lot of the other audiophile mm. um, pursuits that we we see today, and and I'm convinced that that is less about music. And so I think because I've mm -hmm. been thinking a lot about why we listen to music, and I think a lot of audiophiles get further away from the music. It's more about the sonic spectacle than the actual music, I, and so that's why, for example, title satisfies me. Yeah, I mean, this is why I kind of created that concept of the music first audio file because mm -hmm. I never ever kind of reach through my library and go, I really feel, feel like listening to some DSD today mm -hmm. or some 2488.2. <laughs> just doesn't happen. I just want to go, oh, maybe I'll listen to The House of Love or maybe I'll play some Kraftwerk or maybe I'll listen to The Orb. It's just all artist driven. Yes. And then when I'm drilling through to find the album that I want to listen to, if then I'm presented with a choice of two, maybe the CD rip, and if there is in the rare event a high res version in my library, I'm probably going to punch in the high res version just because. Why not? But that that's that's the secondary thought, you know. That's a that's a secondary choice, or well, actually a tertiary choice, because artist album and then 
format. So for me, when I'm when I'm, when I'm buying music to create my home library Darko streaming service at home, I'm really just I'm either buying CDs and ripping them, or I'm buying them from Bandcamp, or there's a, there's a few other stores that I use fairly regularly. Um, but this is main, uh, these stores are mainly focused on electronic music. Mm-hmm. So if you're an electronic music fan, actually, you've, people are very well served for CD quality downloads. Um, the first one that comes to mind is bleep.com, which is an offshoot, offshoot of Warp Records. Um, mm, okay. So they sell a lot, of, um, a lot of electronic music. Some of it's high res, actually, but not all of it. Um, a lot of electronic music on their store. Uh, some indie rock, but you're not going to find David Bowie on bleep.com. Mm-hmm. It's more slightly left field stuff. Um, and then the other two stores I use are boomcat.com. So it's B-O-O-M-K-A-T. Again, another electronic music store. They sell vinyl, they sell CDs, but they also sell CD quality downloads. Um, and same with Compact. I think it's compact.com or maybe it's compact.de, I'm not sure. Um, they're a Cologne-based label, but they all, they also have a store that sells other labels' work. Mm. So I use those three quite a lot to hoover up downloads. Um, and they serve me quite well with, with Bandcamp, but again, it's mainly it's mainly Redbook, Darren. I just like some high-res, maybe sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um so I have used Bleep before, actually, and I don't. I'm sorry, I don't recall who, which artists I purchased music from from on Bleep, and I've only used it, you know, a handful of times at best. Mm. And then I mentioned HD tracks before. Um, mm. I have tried them in the past. Um, I don't know if that's out, available outside the U.S., um, but I I didn't have a good experience with HD tracks, and I again I lost interest in. Mm. You know, in the last, well, since the iTunes store was opened, was it 10 years ago? But it's never, they've never sold anything other than lossy downloads, right? And so there's never been an iTunes store for lossless downloads. So everything that we who kind of care about not listening to lossy audio, and not there's anything wrong with that, but like we want to take it up a notch. We've, even now, even in 2018, downloads, provision is very spotty or it's expensive mm-hmm. so you know tidal and cobas and hd tracks i would file under may as well buy the vinyl um and probably the same sometimes for bleep and boom boom cap but sometimes i don't want the vinyl of those or they, they don't come out on vinyl or whatever so it's there's there it, there isn't really a very compelling argument for buying lossless downloads for me um Really, I think the the most compelling argument for for CD quality audio is to get is to buy the CD and rip it. I think that's what a lot of people do. You know, the, the, it's a lot cheaper. You can buy, you know, you get the CD for like five bucks or ten bucks. It's half the price of your average download, and you whack it in your server mm-hmm. and it rips it for you if you've got a CD drive in the, in your server or whatever. But I think. This is why this is why I think I said this before last week. This is why CDs are so important, is they fill the gaps or the big holes left by um, 
download stores that I use, like Tidal and Bleep and whatever. Mm. I mean, do you do mm-hmm. this, Darren? Do you, I mean, do you buy CDs and then rip them, or? I I do. So again, and I think I did mention this uh, in in the I don't know if it was the last cast, but anyway, that these days I'm streaming on on Tidal and and using Rune, and it's a great experience and for listening and for music discovery for me. And then I'm buying mm. the vinyl because I, I'm enjoying vinyl a lot these days. And if I cannot find that record mm. on vinyl, which I was just having a conversation about with a friend, um, then do I buy the CD? And that and the answer is yes, I have been doing that. And then I, I do eventually end up you know ripping it so that I can stream mm. it through or you know uh, listen to it using Room. Because I think now is a really good time to get into buying CDs used on, on Discogs or in stores because no one wants to go near them they're like they're like the black death you know they're just sort of people just people don't want to touch them so if you want to start stockpiling cds people are i mean i think i think discogs saw a, like a 20 percent increase in cd sales last year and you could you could see that as people getting into the format or oh, getting wow. out of the format um but they're still available. I think there's still mm-hmm. going to be a very healthy supply of CDs on the used market going forwards so that, you know, if you really want an album and you can't find a lossless download, you can probably find it on Discogs, buy it, rip it, and then stash it. So I don't think we're ever going to run out of lossless mm-hmm. provision. I think it's just with new releases, I would do worry about it a little bit. But there is one more download store that I do use that not many people know about. I did write about this about three or four years ago. And they're called, the company is called Murphy, M-U-R-F-I-E, Murphy Music. And they started out as a CD ripping service where you could basically ship them all your CDs, they would rip them for you, and then you could download them off their site, the rip versions, back onto your hard drive. But then they sort of expanded that, I think, well, maybe it came later or maybe it came at the launch, I'm not sure. But the other thing you can do is, is once you've shipped them your CDs, they, they store those CDs and they store many people's CD collections there. And they also offer CD sales. Basically, you mm. can remotely sell your CD to somebody else without it. You, you don't have to ship anything because it's a their warehouse. So let's say Darren you sent them your CD collection they're looking after your CDs now and let's say you want to you there's an album you want to sell you mark it for sale in the back end of the website and then I can buy it and then I can choose to have that CD shipped to me right which sounds kind of basic but here's the twist is that mm-hmm. I can choose not to have that CD shipped to me I can just choose to have the lossless download from their website of that CD. So I can go and buy a CD. They keep it under my name at their warehouse and I just download the lossless rip. And it's it's all secondhand pricing. So like a lot of CDs, like three bucks, five bucks, eight bucks. Hmm. So this is where I found a few albums that I, like there was um, an album David Holmes put out in the 90s called Let's Get Killed. So it was in the age of trip hop, but it was kind of like funky breaks with a sort of David Holmes used to be a bit of a techno guy. And then he became a sort of soundtrack guy. And in between, he made this fairly interesting sort of trip hop. I don't know how you'd explain it, really. 
anyway, it's kind of a fun album and I couldn't find it anywhere. It wasn't available on any of the download services we've spoken about already. I don't think it's on even on streaming services. So if it's not on streaming services, that really is the kind of kiss of death. So I, I did find it on Murphy and I think it cost me three bucks. I bought it. And so they're looking after the CD for me under my name and I got the lossless download. To be honest, I don't, I don't care what they do with the CD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting, very unique service. Yeah, so Murphy Music. Um, I did check. They are still going. I did check the other day. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. I like things like that. Um, it's good for... And that's what I would consider... They, they have what I consider to be like normal music. So if you're into sort of audiophile music, they might have some Nora Jones, but really it's sort of the, you know, the music that I like, Q Magazine or Uncut or Rolling Stone... Like normal person's music. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And for, I think, because I, I've been digging recently, looking for records that I do, you know, that I don't own mm. anymore or never purchased physically. And again, like I mentioned, if, if I'm looking on vinyl first, because I'd love to have a physical copy, but if I can't find it, then of course CDs mm. would be, um, you know, my next choice and Discogs is certainly the first place I look for that stuff mm. used. Um, but this, this Murphy music service, and I did just look it up, um, uh, is intriguing because maybe I can find some of those CDs that, that are just out of print and, um, and, you know, somebody's just stored away. Right. That's cool. But I tell you, like, I mean, I know at the moment CDs are very much out of favor and people love to kick them and, say that they're just awful and they're never going to go back to them, but they will. CDs aren't cool right now, but they will come back and it won't be long. It'll, I reckon maybe two years. <laughs> and what, yeah, once they start just, when they just start to just to slide away, out, slide out of view, you know, like, like they just fall away from public consciousness. Then that's when they start to become cool again because it's tangible. You can have them in your house. You can display them. People like to own stuff mm -hmm. because if you imagine a house, like a modern house now, there are no books. There are no, you know, I'm about like the average person's house, right? Who is not into audiophile gear and listens to music on a Bluetooth speaker with a streaming service. They, they probably don't own books. They probably, you know, read a book on a Kindle. They don't own records. They don't own CDs. It's done on tapes. There's nothing in the house. Mm -hmm. It's, and I think that does something to people that they kind of go, well, I, you know, some people like to collect stuff or they like to own stuff. They like to have these things on display to say, this is me, even if they're, they're only talking to themselves. Right. I mean, I, I think that's, if I'm honest to myself or with myself, I think that's why I buy records. Yeah, I, I think, and I think most would agree that the listening to physical media is, is a different experience because you have, you have that, you have the mm. liner notes, you have the, you know, you're holding it in your hands. It's a little more tactile and, and so different may not necessarily sound better depending on so many vari variables, but, um, it, that it is a different experience and, and people crave that. I agree. Mm. And I'm definitely seeing myself cycling through that where I got into streaming and I had some vinyl, but I wasn't really going deep with, purchasing vinyl and but now i'm finding myself purchasing more and more people will start buying cds again especially secondhand audio files will but they'll mm. start doing it once once they yeah. start finding they can't buy lossless downloads once 
the mainstream move away from CDs almost completely, they'll become these mm-hmm. fetish items again. They'll become these nice little things mm-hmm. that you buy on Bandcamp by your favorite artists, right? Like a cassette. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised because everything else has come back and cassettes are even seeing a small niche market oh, these days from, yeah, new, yeah. from new artists, like new records yeah. on cassette, right? <laughs> Which in terms of sound quality is insane, but in terms of... Right. I mean, for me, it, <laughs> the cassette, <laughs> putting aside sound quality for a moment, the cassette was the best format ever because it just, mm-hmm. it just it felt perfect. It went everywhere. You could play it in your car. You could have it on a, on, you know, in a device in your pocket. You can make your own. You could do custom artwork. And burning CDs and compilations was never the same. It was never the same. Because you didn't have to sit there and play the song and listen to it and then hit pause. And this is not some kind of nostalgic trip. I'm talking about the actual experience of you lived that mixtape as you committed it to tape. You didn't just kind of drag and drop a bunch of files and click burn, which is not the same experience at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not me yearning for cassette tapes, not at all. <laughs> but but they they have seen a a, a pretty uh, significant bump in the last yeah uh, I don't know how long couple years but um, yeah and I can see the appeal I, of that I th- I can see why mm-hmm. people want to buy them yep yeah I just saw some I forget who I was looking at on Bandcamp but they have a a cassette option so it's interesting but so so it does you know it does uh, support your your idea that you know CDs will come back and and I I agree. Um, I even considered, you know, buying a relatively inexpensive, like a, you know, as a transport, mm. buying a CD player that I would plug into my Yggdrasil, yeah. right, and see see how I that sounds. I'm I'm not going to do that. Well, I think I we've we've it. spoken about this before, haven't we? Where I've said that if you get a CD transport and connect it to a DAC with a coaxial cable, I think you would be very surprised at how mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic it sounds, and I think. I think it would sound right. better than most. It, w- it definitely would sound better than your average PC going over USB. And I know people people don't want to hear that, but that is my experience: is that you know, CD transports really do give something quite special. And I think this is another reason why a lot of audiophiles stick with CDs because the transport. Because you think about it, like the transport itself is pretty low noise. It doesn't have a CPU. There isn't a screen. It isn't the electrical firestorm internally that a computer is. So whatever's traveling on the coax cable is going. There's going to be lower noise going into your DAC. I'm sure of it. I mean, this is my reasoning. I mean, I could be wrong, but um, I think yeah. I remember my buddy had. Remember how I last week I was talking about um, a DAC company called Audio GD. A few friends in Australia had the Audio GD CD transport, which had no analog output. It was just, I think, a coaxial output into a DAC. And I remember once hearing a squeeze box touch going into the same DAC and then this CD transport. And this CD transport was light years ahead in terms of sound quality. It was amazing. It was a real eye-opener for me. I mean, maybe you know, maybe not better than a you know high-end server, but. Uh, there's still there's something out there for the CD buyer yet. Mm-hmm. And again, you can get them for two dollars now, so that's yeah. And you know, that's yeah. So fantastic. now is the time. That's, now, if you want to, yeah, you know, yeah, I think so. Now's um, the time, right? Yeah, I don't really have a lot else to say about <laughs> about downloads because 
as I've said, that I think we're not very well served. You know, people who just want to buy a CD quality download, mm-hmm. not everything is available. If you want to buy a high res download, not everything is available and they're expensive. Um, and I think if you really want a high res something, mm-hmm. you can get it for effectively nothing or for free from your favorite streaming service. If you're you know, a Tidal subscriber or you're thinking about becoming a Kobo subscriber, I think because because the return on the the high res content is so small, the, the the pragmatic thing to do is just to farm that out and onto streaming services. You know, in terms of supply. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just worry about having the baseline covered here on my music server with CD rips and downloads, and then if I want the high res, a streaming service will give me that. I mean, that's the other thing about downloads, isn't it? Is that, like, if I want to go and buy a high-res download, it's 20 bucks minimum. That's a month's worth of Tidal. And I don't think we can ever ignore those, you know, those numbers. I think that's a really... I don't know how download stores are still going, to be honest. And I think it's why the iTunes store will probably close this year or next. I can't imagine anybody buying lossy downloads anymore. It seems... It seems even, it seems so quaint, you know? We'll see. We'll see what happens. But it doesn't make sense to me either. Why would you, why would you do that? The, the argument's compelling. 20 bucks a month for, for example, for Tidal. Um, CD quality streaming, why would you spend $20 on a download? Um, but then again, people want to own things, and so they're going to... Sure, but the price of ownership is very, very high. It's the very same with high. vinyl. Extremely yeah. high. The price of yeah, the price of ownership is really, really high, which is why CD rips make them and they make it a lot cheaper. Like I mean, even if you do a naughty and you've got a CD and you rip it and then you sell it or you give it to a friend, which you shouldn't do. Um, even if you do that, it's still super cheap. I mean, I've got a bunch of CDs in storage in Australia that are probably never going to play again because I've got them all ripped to my hard drive. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the price. Yeah, the price of ownership is very high. So it depends on, you know, like if you're, if thing is, if you're one of those audiophiles is really just, you know, you are format driven, you're a format first audiophile. So you're, I don't know, MQA driven or you're high res driven. You might only have 500 albums and you might be just swimming in high res and you might, that may be your thing. But, you know, that's if you want, you know, you're well, you, I guess you're well served if you just want to kind of focus on the technology or the, the sample rate or the bit depth, because it doesn't really matter how many albums you have, does it? If you're just interested in the tech, you can have 500 and be really, really happy and go, oh, listen to this 192, it sounds glorious. Probably does. If that what makes if that's what makes you happy, then fine. But I don't work that way. So that's a that's an interesting point. And I'm thinking about it from the angle of less about the format, but because I have been thinking about this mm. offline, which is the the idea of having everything all the time through a, mm-hmm. a streaming service versus so maybe some of these folks who are into high-res files and they only have 500 but they own 500 records albums Mm. on high-res formats and they're happy with that because they don't need to have access to the whole world well they don't they don't need the breadth because the breadth Um, is not the i mean for me that's the the breadth is the main thing the number one motivator i you know i love i don't i won't say i love a whole range of music because that's not necessarily true but 
there's a lot of music I really like. A lot of music. More than is served by higher res content at the moment, a lot more. Way more. I mean, almost no electronic music comes out in high res. Almost none. Um, in fact, I was talking to a well-known electronic producer. I won't say who it is because he's quite private. A well-known electronic producer at Superbooth, which is a modular synth festival that ran in Berlin the last three days. I was talking to him. I said, like, you know, what's, what's, what, what's, you know, sample rate and bit depth on average? You know, is it 2496? Is it 24192? And he said to me, 24441. Mm-hmm. And this is for, this is electronic music, right? He says, like, you know, most people will just go for that. It seems to be enough. Um, it's certainly good enough for, you know, his needs or, you know, his contemporaries' needs. Um, and an, another studio engineer also echoed that sentiment. He said, like, 2441, 2448, some 2496, very little 24192. So it's we got to be very careful as audiophiles not to be sort of sucked into this vortex of, you know, a very narrow pool of content because like I say if, I mean if you're into the technology then fine but if you're into music in a in the broadest sense I don't think you're very well served if you know for high res not that that really worries me you know I mean I'm not playing a, a CD rip or a, a lossless download thinking oh god gee I really wish I had that in high res <laughs> I never think that never yeah, as I said, I, I think that the <laughs> format first folks are, well, that's to me not about music, right? Um, it's a different mindset, which is fine. If that's, you know, if that's your your focus, that's fantastic. But for mm. me, it's not. And so the format is, is absolutely secondary, but interesting to talk about. Well, it's also, you know, I mean, I, I get exposed to a lot of format first talk on audio shows right um because i think it's because it's a selling point because if you want to sell to these format first dudes of which there are a significant number and they go to shows a lot and they're really into high-res audio then you'd be stupid not to say well i've got this great album from 1942 or whenever it was and and i've got it in 24192 because then you've got their attention immediately right I mean, if, if, but that's, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to say that's, hmm. I've got to be careful not to judge people, you know, uh, for what they do. Absolutely. I, th- I think, it, <laughs> again, that's great. It's very hard. It's very, it's very difficult. It, it is. I, I don't, um, I don't operate that way, but I, I appreciate that that, if mm. that's your focus, that's cool. To me, that's less about music. I, I'm not interested in the arguing format mm. validity, um, or, or relevance. I, I think, um, my system sounds great streaming Redbook. So, and I get an incredible amount of information, you know, um, enough to experience the music. So, but that's a, a whole different conversation about music and how you listen. And that's something I think about a lot. Well, I mean, yeah, because the hardware matters more. I mean, would you rather listen to a 24192 file from a laptop through Apple earbuds? Or would you rather listen to a Spotify stream through a pair of Carefellas 50 wireless? I know which I choose. I would choose the latter every single time. Um, and I would not be put off by the Spotify stream because the speakers and the DACs and whatever, you know, really 
bring it to life for me. Uh, the the format is actually, well, as we've said before, as I've said before, a secondary or, or a tertiary thought. Um, I certainly would never let it drive. You know, it doesn't come before hardware, and it doesn't become before the music choices that I make that I want to listen to. But I realize that you know maybe, yeah, I'm not like a normal audiophile. I don't think you are either. Um, no, I don't think I am. But that's that's the beauty of it, right? And that that there's for folks getting into to hi-fi or you know audio higher end audio that there's so mm. many options and so if you are somebody who's interested in um only in high res that the options are limited from a um, catalog perspective but um i don't know i think that the variety of options pardon me is great i agree yes i think that yeah the variety of options is great but as also as we've said before i would love to just have everybody in the world listening to CD quality streaming. And the reason we don't is because of data caps on mobile devices. Um, but I guess what... This is my problem and not the, the rest of the world's problem, I know this, is that when I, you know, when I go to shows, you know, hearing the conversation so heavily dominated by formats, I mean, I know I'm in the audiophile world, so what do I expect? But um, mm-hmm. I, I guess I've always been surprised at how much that does tend to dominate the conversation. You know, the, you know, the, you know the, the extra number of bits or samples per second or sure. encapsulation format, it just seems to, it really does dominate. Yeah. It worries me a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm frustrated by it and I'm not even in, you know, I don't go to shows. So, and, <laughs> <laughs> but I've spent enough time online and read enough, you know, to, and I, and, mm. and all that has done for me as a, as, just as a listener, right? As somebody who, uh, loves music and also loves the elevated experience of hi-fi at home. Um, mm. I, I don't want to talk about that stuff when I'm listening to music. I find it extremely frustrating. And I know that it's necessary because I do love the gear too, right? I don't know. It's mm. it's a, it, Striking a balance is difficult. Thankfully, uh, my friends who come over when we play music, for example, at home, we talk more about the music than we do the gear because they're that they are that type of person. But... Um, so I can, um, lucky me, I can avoid it because I'm not a, um, you know, I'm not you, you have to, um, (laughs) it's part of your job. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I do have a, yeah, I have to, I have a professional duty to cover, you know, a new high risk streaming service or, um, MQA support over here or whatever. Like, I mean, and I do, and to some degree I do find them interesting because they are the bleeding edge of what's going on. But when I find those tails wagging the dog, I kind of get a bit frustrated. I can come on. Like, yes, it's interesting, but let it not dominate what we do, you know, until there is, or, you know, let's say until there is 50% of the world's music in high res or MQA or DSD or whatever your favorite format is until 50% exists, then why, you know, make sure that your involvement or your, your commitment to it is proportional to its availability to its library size. If the hi-fi manufacturers are trying to expand their audience, then it would behoove them to to focus more on music because I think non-audiophiles, the moment you start talking about bit rates, you've, you're going to lose them, or at least a good portion. Mm. Of them. So if, if you're trying to you know reach people who love music but maybe don't know that hi-fi is an option, it, I, I feel like it would be a turnoff if I was, you know, I appreciate it, but maybe many people don't talking about technology and bit rates and 
but in a way they're only catering to their existing audiophile community they're not that's right they're, yeah they're not expand i right? mean it's not like I, I mean i don't see high-res content provision expanding at a, a such a rate that these manufacturers should be scrambling to get this message across that their hardware supports that i mean it's not like mm-hmm. spotify or apple music are dropping high-res content into our laps i mean it's right. trickling into the back of tidal it's in the back of Cobas. It will be soon in Deezer, I think, through MQA soon. So these are still sort of marginal, bleeding-edge concerns. Mm. Um, so you look at somebody like Name. They've just sent me a couple of bits to, to write about. And it, one of them is the... Is it called the Unity Nova? It's an amplifier that just does everything. It does streaming. It has this great volume knob. I mean, I, if I was selling this thing, I would be talking about this volume knob first and foremost. I mean, it's so wonderfully tactile, and you get the sort of same this tactile experience. That that's something I would be talking about um, in terms of you know, does the DAC support twenty four ninety one ninety two? That would be way down my list. You know, like the way this thing is, is small and compact. That's a strong selling point. You know, I'm talking about if you want to expand your audience. It's, I mean, as soon as you get into talking numbers, people do tend to glaze over because they don't, a lot of people just don't care because they've never heard of it i mean right it, it, it's i think it would be tough to sell from that angle to somebody who's not already in the you know already over the fence into the you know the the, <laughs> the audiophile camp um i don't know that's i i i think about this a lot i and i mm. i talk to my friends who are music lovers and or the folks at the local record store and or the musicians I know, and this is a whole other topic that is mm. not necessarily baffling, frustrating for me. Um, so many, a large percentage of these people are just not interested in or have given up on better quality. They're more interested in, in you know, finding new music that they like. Um, and maybe it's just because they don't know that it's there. Um, mm. So it's about education. But anyway, so if I started talking about you know, bits and, and this deck does this and, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think it just turns them off. I don't know. It, it may be a, a very limited window that I have view into the general population, but I feel like that's how it is. But, you know, people, I think some audio files, the guys that are really into quality. So let's say the guy that has the 500 high res albums that we've, we mentioned before, mm-hmm. I think, in some ways, he is just as bad as the mainstreamers that he would possibly vilify for being only into inverted commas convenience. Because mm-hmm. what he actually means by that is that they're into quantity. He's into quality, they're into quantity, right? Right. So they're at one axis. So the guy with the 500 albums is, is all the way at the quality axis. And you know, most of your friends and my friends that have only got Apple Music and they listen through their iPhone in the kitchen are all the way on the quantity access because they can pretty much stream anything that's ever been produced, but very poorly. And then somewhere in the middle of this XY graph is where I want to be and where maybe you are and where a lot of people probably, I always say should be, but you know, I'm just saying that the guy that owns 400, 500 high-res albums is as bad as the, as bad, but you know, is there are it's as it's as problematic as somebody being into millions of albums but playing them back poorly. 
It can be absolutely, right? and and again, I I don't want to judge because if you're if that the beauty is that we each can experience music the way we want to today. If you know, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to judge Darren. <laughs> no, but 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 I do struggle. I it's, I do struggle with both extremes. I yes, do absolutely. Yeah, so do I. It's frustrating. Yeah. And and I but I have my own unique view as do you, right? Like mm. if we started talking about techno, um, you would just it would be a monologue for you because I I don't have. I have no view into that world. So, right. And I'm not, again, that's not a. Oh, for sure. Uh, Most people a, think it's, it's, a, it's tuneless garbage. And I get that. I can understand why people, people well, think that. But a lot of audiophiles, I would suspect. You know, yeah. A, a large portion of that population would judge you based on, on your preferences. Um, and which is, you know, ridiculous because it's music and it's just made to be enjoyed. And so, you know, <laughs> we should each. Um, enjoy each other's differences but you know and well, I, actually, I have the, the, more. <laughs> I actually have to stop you there because actually I don't I'm not trying to I guess I, I, I don't really want to have tolerance of my taste because I'm not I'm not foisting my tastes onto anybody that doesn't really isn't really sort of slightly open to them or reads my website like it's not like I'm turning up at shows and I'm going guys you've got to listen to this new Marcel Detman mix Say, say just our general mainstream culture in the u.s we've devalued music to the point of you know what i feel like and this will be dramatic but to the vanishing point i feel like nobody cares and that's why streaming services are free because we've we've evolved that way you know into from the early days of, of napster to now we're offering these services but we can't charge what we should charge which you've talked about before but anyway i feel like we've devalued music so much mm. that if we could even elevate music a little bit in in our culture here um in the u.s that that level of respect might drive people to want to have hi-fi in their home again and and it goes beyond hi-fi that that that's part of the problem to me is people's view of music but I mean, I, I do agree with you to a point in that music has become something that we sure. play while we do something else. That respect that you, you mentioned before, you know, this kind of almost this, uh, uh, what's the word? I'm trying to think, of, not, not adoration. Like um, a reverence? Yeah, reverence for music does exist in the live arena. So mm -hmm. live concerts now are as big as they've ever been. Right. I mean, you only have to look at the conversation surrounding Coachella last month. Mm -hmm. Like that was a big, big deal. I mean, lots yes. of people were talking about that Beyonce performance. I did, I did watch a bit of it actually. Yeah, and it was not my thing, but I could see that this is cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it does exist in that space, but I think at home, it's gone in the opposite direction. It's like I say, it's become this sort of backgroundy thing. So if you want to listen to music <laughs> as, a, as a primary activity, you go to a show. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just background, or it's something you listen to on headphones while you're at work, or on the way to work, or right. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I don't want to become. I don't want to draw a hard line. You know, it makes me think. It brings to mind the quote from, uh, at least the first thing that comes to mind is uh, you remember Mark Hollis uh, from Talk Talk. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. and and I'm a, a huge huge fan of Talk Talk. Mm -hmm. um, grew up with with you know, them in the '80s, and then um, they evolved into an incredible, um, you know, less of a pop band, but but very influential on me. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, he he once said something about um, you know music is not. Um, you know, 
should never be in the background. It's not written to be background music. You know, and he had this very hard um, view of that. And I don't want to be that guy because I understand that, you know, a lot of people don't want to sit down and listen to a record like I would or like you mm. might, right? Um, some people do, but most people these days are, are less likely to do that. Um, mm. I don't know. But I don't know because I think there are moments, especially with the... Um, with headphone use where you I guess if you're traveling and you're not doing anything else you can really get lost in, a, in an album true it's just I think it's just the idea of sitting down at home between two speakers and listening right. to an album is probably, probably on the way out I mean I do yeah. that I love that but I also listen to music as a background thing I certainly listen to it while I travel a lot right um, so I, I kind of you know I seem to have a foot in both worlds my almost judgment <laughs> of other audiophiles you know a moment ago in that but I guess, you know, like audio shows are all about the celebration of active listening, sitting there listening to an album. But there are thousands of mm -hmm. audiophiles in the world who do enjoy actively listening to music, but would go to an audio show and find their tastes not served at all. In fact, their whole mindset, they would feel, as I do a lot of the time, sort of on the outer because, because the music is yeah. just not my taste whatsoever. Um, Mm -hmm. I was watching that documentary on Netflix um, this week. It's called The Defiant Ones. It's about Jimmy Iovine. Right. So Jimmy yeah. Iovine, Dr. Dre, right? Mm -hmm. I would love to hear more hip-hop shows just because it would, it would stand out. It would sound fantastic. And I know that um, I think it was the first Dr. Dre album, which I've, I'm pretty sure is immaculately produced. Immaculately. I think it would sound amazing on some of these systems, but for whatever reason, it never gets a run. And when I say never, I really mean never. I don't know. I think I think there there are audiophiles out there who listen to music um, that is written about by Rolling Stone, Q Magazine, right? You know these magazines that I mentioned, mentioned before. And but the, none of this music ever features at shows. And I think that this is what the people I'm trying to talk to with my website, right? It they kind of sort of left out a little bit. I mean, not every audiophile is into, I don't know, jazz mm -hmm. or classical or opera, which are the dominant genres of audio shows. Mm -hmm. That's fine because that's what people want to play. I'm not saying they shouldn't play it. I'm just saying that they are not catering to a, a segment who I would like to see um, better, you know, better looked after. I agree. What I try to do myself, you know? I agree. I, it, it, it's fine that that's what they're going to play. Um, again, you know, it doesn't bother me. I'm not at the shows, but I... Hmm. I agree. I think that it limits their potential audience. And like, I mean, like from watching this this documentary on Netflix, it's very clear that Dr. Dre is really into sound quality. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, forget about. I mean, they did. I mean, this documentary makes you know it doesn't make it clear that they explicitly tuned Beats headphones to be not the audiophile tool or the or the the studio engineer's tool, but to be a party headphone. Mm -hmm. They were like, we just wanted to make a headphone that's, that just basically scream, where's the party at? Mm -hmm. Which is fine. I mean, that's probably not how Dre would voice his speakers in his studio, but the man is clearly interested in sound quality mm -hmm. um, because it's somebody a lot of other people can identify with. I mean, Dr. Dre is a very influential figure. 
especially to a younger mm-hmm. audience. You got this guy was really into sound quality. So I would let, you know, love to see somebody do a, do a presentation about this. Like if Dre was into sound quality, listen to this first track from, you know, one of his 90s albums. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and just go from there. I would recommend checking out uh, Open Mike Eagle. Okay. If you ever have any interest to check out some hip hop from the U.S. that's that is smart, you know, intelligent and thoughtful, and not about all of the things that you hear in mainstream rap and, and hip hop. Open Mike Eagle. He used to call himself an art rapper. Okay. I called. Um, an, I mean, you mentioned art rapper, and I just thought of a, um, an album called Alopecia by a guy called Y. Okay. Just W H Y question mark, and it's like it's it's white guy rap. But it's really strange um, in a good way, and it's all over the map. Uh, it was, I think it came out about maybe even 10 years ago, actually. Uh, but it's, you're right. It's not like yeah. hip hop. I just, I just looked it yeah. up March 20 uh, or 2008. Yeah. Huh. There we are. <laughs> um, it's, really, it's a really okay. cool record, it's really interesting. You have been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast. You can find more of John Darko's work, writing, and videos at darko.audio. And you can find more of my content at thenewold.co.